You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. When you believed in Jesus Christ and the sacrificial offering that He made for you, He then forgave you. Like an eraser, His blood just erased all of your sins, all right? All of the charges that were against you, He wiped them clean just as if you'd never sinned. Now that's something to shout about, right? Right? He did that. Erased by Jesus' blood. All of us have a legal record. Depending on some of the choices we've made in life, some of us have clean records and some of us have records that aren't so clean. But what about God's record of us? In today's message, Pastor Dion will be talking about how Jesus keeps no records of wrongs. In fact, he tells us that if we repent of our sins and we ask him to forgive us, that our mistakes and failures are completely wiped away and unseen in the eyes of Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of John chapter 2. As he continues his message, Jesus does more than save us. So listen, it wasn't enough for Jesus to have provided salvation for us to save us. Oh no, he wants us to be saved to the uttermost. Look at your neighbor and say, saved to the uttermost. Who wants to be saved to the uttermost, right? Looks, looking more and more like Jesus. Having the entirety of all of His blessings and His character and His attributes and His attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you know you need it. Just look at Him, right? Well, so here's what He does. Jesus goes to work and He's doing it right now in praying for us. Jesus is always praying to the Father on our behalf. He is our prayer warrior. Now there are several people that gather here a couple of times a week and myself daily to pray for you guys. All right? But your biggest prayer warrior is not me and the people on the prayer team. Your biggest prayer warrior is the Lord Jesus Christ who at this very minute is praying that you be saved to the uttermost. Right? It's awesome. Jesus is constantly lifting us up before the Father, asking for mercy on our behalf, asking for grace, asking for blessing, asking for strength, praying for us. A picture of that, if you remember, was during one of the Gospels where Jesus looks at Peter and tells Peter, Satan desires to have you, to sift you like wheat, to put you through the ringer, Satan's been asking to do that to you. But he said, but I have prayed that your faith does not fail. All right? So Jesus is praying. Can you say that? That your faith not, that you be saved to the uttermost. Now I want you to catch this. Jesus is not praying that you don't have any trials or temptations. Jesus is praying that you won't fail when you do. So the next time you're in the fire, 
Know that Jesus has prayed and is praying for you. And let His prayers be the wind underneath your wings. Let His prayers be the encouragement. Have you ever gone through a struggle, a difficulty, a circumstance? And maybe you had kind of kept it to yourself. And then all of a sudden you stumble upon someone that says, you know what? I, I was praying for you the other morning. I don't know, I just, you just came into my mind or the Lord prompted me to pray for you. And at that moment you just felt like, thank you, Lord. You felt so special. The Lord is doing the same for you all of the time so that your faith will not fail. Isn't that awesome? In fact, you know why we're here? Because he continues to pray for us, right? Awesome. All right, so Jesus prays for us. But here's something else Jesus does. He brings our prayers before the Father. So not only does Jesus pray for us, but he also brings our prayers before the Father and pleads on our behalf. Something else Jesus is doing in heaven. He is our, say the word, mediator. Say it again, mediator. He is the one and only mediator between God and man. So he prays for us, but he's also the one who takes our prayers, our prayer need, and brings them before the Father, pleads to God on our behalf. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. How many mediators? One mediator, and it is the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all. So Jesus is the one who is taking our prayers and bringing them before the, the Father. And he is the only one that has access to the Father in that way. That's why praying to saints is ineffective. No one else can fill the role that Jesus does. Jesus is the only one with the keys to the Father, with access to the Father. Again, I remind you of Jesus' statement in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And out loud with me, no one comes to the Father except through me and my mom. Except through me and no. Everybody said no. Through him. So, that's one of the reasons we have been told in the New Testament to pray in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can unlock heaven, can unlock help, and can unlock healing. He is the closer, closing the gap between us and God. So here's what he's doing. He's praying for us but he's also taking our prayers, our petitions, our needs, and he is presenting them and pleading them to the Father on our behalf as a mediator. So Jesus is a dispatch in heaven. Jesus is an intercessor in heaven. Jesus is a mediator. And Jesus is also doing this in heaven. He is a what? An advocate. Say it again. What? Advocate. Now, when the devil brings accusations and even proof against us to God the Father, the judge of all, Jesus argues our case. Because let me pause here and say this. If you didn't know this, 
Every time that you sin, every time that you fail, every time that you kind of mess up, the enemy, the devil, is there to accuse you before God. All right? But here's the good news. Jesus is our advocate. He is there again to argue our case. 1 John 2.1 says this, My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, you think so? Look at your neighbor and say, you know he's talking about you right now. And if anyone sins, out loud together, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, think about this. Forgiveness and cleansing from our past sins, before we were Christians, what were some of those things? What were those sins? Let's, if I had a whiteboard here, I'd write them down. What, what were they? Unforgiveness. Lying. Cheating. Profanity. Anger. Lust. Pride. Hate. Ugly. Let's just write ugly, right? A whole rap sheet of stuff, all right? So all of that. But then... When you believed in Jesus Christ and the sacrificial offering that He made for you, He then forgave you. Like an eraser, His blood just erased all of your sins. Alright? All of the charges that were against you, He wiped them clean just as if you'd never sinned. Now that's something to shout about, right? Right? He did that. Erased by Jesus' blood. And guys, here's what. But then after conversion, after we became a Christian and put our faith in Christ, we've got a new nature and a clean slate. But the fact of the matter is, you will sin again. So let's go ahead and let me write down those sins that since you've been a Christian, that you've sinned. Go ahead. Lying. Profanity. Anger. Hey, wait a minute. They sound familiar. The idea is, is that we will sin even after being a Christian because we have the nature of sin in us. We're sinners by nature. So sinning is what we do. But we also now as Christians have a new nature. It's the nature of Christ. But we're still going to sin. Now guys, Satan, when we do sin, will try to prosecute us before God, who is the righteous judge. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12 calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And so that's what he does. In fact, in the book of Job, we are actually given a courtroom scene of what it looks like. Satan approaches God's throne and he tries to discredit and defame Job before God. The same thing is happening for us. For every slip up, trip up, and give up. For every mistake and failure and trespass and indiscretion, Satan is wanting judgment against you and he is seeking the death penalty. He is saying, God, this guy right here, I have a list. Let me, show, let me show it to you. June 6th, lying. June 7th, well, June 6th in the evening, p.m., there was this. And then June 7th, and June 8th, and June 10th, 
and on and on and on it goes. And he says, and so, you know, he doesn't deserve to be your child. He doesn't deserve to have your blessing. He doesn't deserve to. But then that's when Jesus, our advocate, speaks up. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God, right? Because the verse said, the Bible says, don't sweat it. Everybody said out loud, what? Don't sweat. Look at your neighbor and say, don't sweat it when it happens. Because we have a defense attorney and not just some indifferent public defender type. Oh no, we have Jesus Christ as our attorney. And he is also the judge's son, by the way. Now you've heard of the attorney Johnny Cochran who successfully defended O.J. Simpson. Or maybe you've heard of Mark Garagos who defended Scott Peterson. The evidence was stacked against their clients, but they were able to get them acquitted. Well, guys, most often when the devil is approaching God and, and he has proof, all right, most often he has the proof. We are guilty. The enemy has our bloody glove, the receipt for the rope and the cement. He even has a video recording of us doing what he said we did. And when the devil brings charges against us, Jesus successfully argues our case and he reminds the Father they have repented, they have believed in me and their crimes have been crucified on my cross. They are done away with. I carried them. Look at your neighbor and say that's such good news, right? In fact, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13 describes what Jesus actually says to the Father on our defense it says this, having wiped out the handwritings of requirements that was against us or the charges that were against us, which was contrary to us, which we were guilty of, it says, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It's out of the way. Because of Jesus, our sins have been put out of reach and out of recall. Isaiah 43.25 says, Jesus will remember those sins no more. And Psalm 103 verse 12 says that He will remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And Micah 7.19 says that He will sink our sins into the depth of the sea, never to be remembered. So with that said, Satan has no evidence, no proof, and therefore no case against us. So God says you have, are acquitted. The case has been dropped. There is no charges against you. You have been cleared. Isn't that awesome, guys? Wow. In fact, it kind of looks like this. There's a story in the book of Zechariah that is very similar to what we're talking about. It says this in chapter 3, Zechariah, starting with verse 1. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusation against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Oh yeah, he's got dirty clothes. He's probably coming, but it goes on. Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. 
So the angel said to the others standing there, Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, See, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you those fine new clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes. That's exactly what happens when the devil accuses you and you are guilty. You're, you got the dirt under your fingernails. The blood is still on your hand. You've got the, you know, the blood spray on your clothing because you're guilty of it. But the Lord says they have repented, they have asked for forgiveness, so take away all of that, give him new clothes and clean him up because he belongs to me. It's awesome, right? So, if you really think about it, Jesus is pretty busy in our present age. He's a dispatch, he's an intercessor, he's a mediator, he's an advocate, and Jesus is also busy preparing a place for us. Something else Jesus is doing in heaven. He is, uh, everybody said out loud, a what? An architect. An architect. Now, think about this. God built the city of heaven, and Jesus is the finish man. Jesus is going to put all the final touches, the details to heaven before we get there. In fact, John chapter 14 and verse 2, Jesus says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Out loud together, I go to prepare a place for you. Wow. Imagine what He's going to do in heaven. I mean, Jesus right now is working uh, on the colors, on the decor, on the fixtures, on the landscape, all the detail. Everybody said out loud, what? All, all the detail for your eventual home. Now, the Apostle Paul told us in Colossians 1 that that's exactly what Jesus did during cre the creation of the earth. It says, all things were created by Jesus. He created everything in heaven and on earth. He created everything that can be seen and everything that can't be seen. So I want us to look at the earth, and see what Jesus did in six days of creation, okay? First of all, there's the greatness and the immensity of the Grand Canyon in Arizona, right? Just breathtaking as you stand and you look at it. Then there's the color and the beauty of the northern lights dancing in the skies over Alaska, then there is the breathtaking allure of Australia's Great Barrier Reef. There is over 134,000 square miles of coral reef. Then there's the staggering Victoria Falls of Zimbabwe. It is twice the height and length of Niagara Falls. Then there is the stunning blue Polynesian beach of Bora Bora. Wow, right? Wow, pristine, tranquil. Then there's the amazing Rainbow Mountains of China. And then, guys, what about Stonehenge? You know, all the, this rock formation in the middle of nowhere, there are no rocks like that to be found anywhere close by. Guys, I want you to know, aliens didn't put those rocks there. Jesus did, right? How do you know, Pastor Dion? 
How do you know that for certain? Listen, if you're passing by and you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there on his own. Huh? You know that it wasn't millions of years of evolution that put him up there on the fence post. Somebody deliberately put him there. Jesus landscaped our planet with jaw-dropping sights that basically tell us, I was here, is what Jesus is saying. Right? Now, so if Jesus constructed all of this beauty and what we have even more, even in our own state, if Jesus constructed this beauty in six days of creation, can you imagine what over 2,000 years of Jesus' attention to heaven will produce? Since He ascended, Jesus has been preparing a place for His family. The beauty will be unbelievable. Jesus is almighty. Say it out loud. Jesus is. He was almighty in the past. And Jesus is almighty in the present doing all of this. But there's one last thing that Jesus will do in this present era. He will catch away His believers. Because that's the end of this era. The end of this particular, the present time, is the rapture of the church. That's the final thing. Jesus is waiting for the Father to say, it's time to call them all to this beautiful place that we've designed and built for them to spend with us. All right? In fact, here's the verse. John chapter 14, verse 3. We read the first half. He said, I am going to go away and prepare a place for you. I will come again. Read it out loud with me. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Isn't that exciting? So, when can we expect this rapture? How will it happen? What are the signs leading up to it? Are you ready? Would you like to know? What a blessing. Jesus is busy in heaven. He may have sat down from his work of saving, but he is at work, nonstop, saving us to the uttermost, helping us to become mature and to look like him. And he is busy in heaven preparing that place so that we're going to spend all eternity with him. Isn't that exciting, guys? Yeah, Jesus. In the past, now we know a little bit about Jesus in the present. Father, we thank you for this time that we got to spend together learning and just knowing more about you. I pray, Father, that we will have grasped these truths and, Lord, that we will be the better for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. As we cling to the Thanks for joining us here on The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova. Pastor Dion has been taking it down to the foundation in the current series, laying out the basics of the faith. Doesn't going back to the basics just sound lovely? Take away all the cares of the world, drop off your adult worries and responsibilities, and go back to the time of Jesus loves me, this I know. The foundation of our faith rests on that one extraordinary truth. Jesus loves me. 
Jesus loves you. How do we know? The Bible tells us so, over and over, in a million different ways. So, how is this time of resting on the simple truth felt to you? Can you feel the love of Jesus surrounding you? He wants you to feel that way all the time, in every situation. So, when you leave this holy space with the Lord, take His love with you. And here's the truth, my friend. The more time you spend in the Word with Jesus, the more you'll know and feel His love for you. If you're not ready to leave this space just yet, don't worry. You can stick around. Pastor Dion has many more messages of God's love, and they're all stored on our YouTube page. Just head on over there next to continue in the Word. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. To find out more about us and find our church, head on over to tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. We'd love to have you come see us sometime. And with that, we have come to the end of our time together. Come back next time to soak in more love right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we